Baby, high top the west side in the boardroom. Show number 116, coach. That's a lot of shows, baby. Some folks about Bring it. to wave the flag. Cool, red, white, and blue. And when the band plays, welcome back, baseball. The Whiz Kids in the house. Coach Al. And you can call me whenever you want. <laughs> I've been called worse. Depending on what day and time I've been it is. called worse. How's everybody doing? You miss a week, you miss a lot, don't you? A lot going on, man. Yep. What's up, Coach? How you doing? I'm doing okay, recovering. You know, I told you about yep. the, my... Yep. Thing yep. with high school wrestling and watching the districts and the regionals and everything. So, but South um, Jersey's most devoted fan. Uh, no doubt about All it. All sports. I might be. Well, girls softball, basketball, both girls and men's. Um, everything. Wrestling. But, how how yeah. many high school football games did you go to this past season? Uh, probably... Eight to ten. That's a lot. And yeah. it's now, you know, not like the years back. It's mostly on Friday nights where you never had it before. One, because of the lights. And two, because Saturdays now there's so much soccer with the families yeah. and soccer moms and all that. So stuff. you're in a few Hall of Fames. Are you in a Hall of Fame? I'm not being, you know, whatever, facetious here. But are you in a Hall of Fame for that's South Jersey's best fan? No, well, the one with Collinswood, I was meritorious service okay. the first time they awarded, and I've been very fortunate to be in the Camden County Sports Hall of Fame and the Fast Pitch Softball Hall of Fame. Speaking of Fast Pitch Softball, uh, somebody sent me a picture of Eddie Thamer. Eddie Thamer. And I told my buddy Joe that you beat him one game with your little. No, I didn't. You didn't beat him. Okay, well, I, I thought. I thought just play along as I. I'd, I'd like to be very but honest, pitched. but anybody knows yeah. fast pitch softball. <laughs> no, they say, beat him. "Who's this old guy?" Said he beat Eddie Fader. He's lying. We, but you we did beat be. your team. Did beat some people that were pretty famous in fast pitch, didn't you? Oh yeah, I pitched up in the Connecticut up there at the Ray Bestis, 7,500 seat stadium right. in the Eastern States. I pitched in Rochester at the Kodak well, Field. I will that. remove your Eddie Fender story. Didn't he pitch with like five people in back of him on defense? Four people, like yeah. Four people. Cause and Eddie Fender was famous. It was like a Globetrotters thing. A uh -huh. lot of times he came, into, he came into town in Philly two or three times against the great George Ulmer from Flatiron. Ah, I remember that name, And too. one game, they, they beat George Eddie. beat him. George beat him That's with a home run and his about. arm, one nothing. That's what I was confused with. I go. knew we lost. I knew it was local, and I thought it yep. was you. This Hustle time. and McGee. No, George okay. O'Neill I, you're talking about an A-plus to maybe a B-plus or low A. A lot to talk about. We don't want to get too uh, – but what was the 
one big difference between you and any was it speed, location, or a, a killer pitch? Well, I got by with a lot of stuff between my ears. Great control. Be able to sit up, hit, set up hitters and so forth. I wish I could throw it 10 miles an hour or more. I, and then they never had speed guns. And so I really could, could not tell you how fast I threw it. But with changing speeds. Yeah. And I used to throw a knuckleball as a change up until people could see me putting my fingers in it. Did nothing. Right. And right. I developed an over the hip screwball that I could throw with the same motion at about three or four different speeds. And it really helped going in watching left-handers back off the plate, and all of a sudden it hits the inside corner and things like that. So Let me see if I can get the next story more accurate than the first <laughs> one. So I'm coming off the field for Cameron Catholic High School Baseball, uh, and Al's coming on Bishop Hughes' field for a slow-pitch game. This is before Bud, I'm in slow-pitch. Yep. Okay, This is my senior year for Cameron Catholic. And it ends up being that Al strikes me out now, the story's told from second base, and obviously it wasn't that far back, but it wasn't the pitcher's mound. Yeah. It was deeper than the pitcher's About mound. About halfway between the mound yeah, and second that, base. that's accurate. And three risers. Wow. And I, don't, I didn't come close to fouling off the ball. <laughs> and you won't. I, yeah, was coming off of, yeah. I was coming off of a game where I was three for three Big against Eustace's yeah. uh, All-State pitcher. Was it Bill Deary? Or Bill Criado? No, no, no. Eustace is the all-state pitcher. Oh, Eustace. Yeah, uh, Eustace. I think it was Bill Deary. Billy well, Deary was a pole to six. Pole to six. Athlete. Jackson. Okay, whatever it was, I was three for three that day. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And I meet Al, and he punches me out on three pitches, fast pitch, from some would look like second base, but they were risers. And yep. the ball looked like they were in the dirt. It kept coming up. Yeah. Looks like it's a fat pitch. It don't matter. It's up at your no, eyes. I, I, I remember I uh, I went off against, uh, not went off, I faced, uh, was Ashley Jimenez. Yeah. When, when I was the umpiring. Yeah. He's standing behind her after one of the, one of your games. Yeah. Uh, after one of the speed games. Yeah, right, right. I almost hit Al with a, lot, with a lot ground ball up the <laughs> you middle. You got her, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you got her. You barreled her. It would have been a hit. If there was a defense, it would have yeah. been a ground ball up the middle and almost hit Al. Right. Almost so, hit the coach. <laughs> Chad was in his prime with yeah. the semi-pro Tri-County, uh, feeling good, and we had a pitcher. Ash. The key is you got to take a pitch. You yeah. probably ran up there swinging like crazy oh, trying to hit a pitch. home run because yeah, you thought yeah, you could. I was trying to take a yard. I watched <laughs> softball my whole life, and I knew you don't swing at the first nah, pitch. No, no, no. You, you watch the first you pitch. You think at that time at Eustis he didn't want to hit one 300 <laughs> yeah. feet? Right. You right. watch and assess because that ball is rising. is something you've yeah. never seen before as a baseball player. Player, well, whoever coming down. thought I would take a cerebral approach like you did, I'm up there I'll hacking. Give you a great example of that years back when the minors had a lot more teams, you know, like three double A's. So we had a lot of guys come back that were been away six, seven years and just didn't make it. Now all of a sudden they're going to hit this big white ball, yeah. and about yeah. maybe four or five games later, you heard. Well, you know, my wife said, I've, you've been away for six, yeah, seven yeah, years. Yeah, and yeah. You know why? Because yeah. they never saw the riser before yeah. or, or a real big drop yeah, like that. That's what makes uh, girls' uh, softball so devastating. When they're up to 72 miles an hour uh, and they throw a sig drop and rise at all, you got to be kidding and me. And they don't have to have both feet on the mound. That back foot gives you momentum coming off. Big difference. All right, so we can't get too excited about one <laughs> exhibition game. Uh, but... I enjoyed watching it, and you know what stood out, and I realized it was the Yankees' JV, so we're not going to lose perspective. The, the good team was, I think, playing Tampa or something. 
would have been nice if they would have sent matched up the the eight teams with each, and you would have got to see our pitchers. Yeah. and and you will probably because they play the Yankees a lot in in uh, spring. Um, but the uh, I thought the the control for the Phillies pitchers was unbelievable. The location, pitching ahead, all the things you teach and talk about that so many pitchers struggle to do. Pitch ahead. Well, I can't pitch ahead. I'll give them something fat and they'll hit it. Well, you got to pitch ahead with location and your stuff and, and rely on your stuff. But doesn't it help when every Phillies pitcher yesterday registers 98 miles an hour? They got a, they got a stable of lights out, lightning throw. They throw the ball hard as a group out. I mean, well, here's the one thing wow. they're hoping for, Abel. Control wise, and I think the paper this morning said he was consistent ninety six point five yesterday, and yeah. more like two or three miles. An Not hour. the radio station, yeah. Right, and uh, if Abel could be a, <clears throat> a big surprise because he's always had the stuff, yeah. But to control, and you know, you just can't. You know, people in the minors. Here's a nice little trivia question. It's not hard. It just talks about last year's Phillies uh, pitchers' accomplishments. Here we go, right at you. Big macro question: What pitcher uh, on the on the team last year had the lowest hits per nine innings? Now, this is everybody lowest hits per nine innings allowed. Either one of you want to take a guess? Well, I would have two guesses. One. Well, we've got to keep you to one. Okay, it's, just it's, one. It's, it's a little well, trivia here. We can't well, go gonna five go, guesses. I'm going to go with Hoffman, who was their big surprise out of the bullpen. Don't even bother, but he nailed it. Once again. I was surprised. Once again. That is not the logical first guess. Congratulations. That, that's just not a – and I know you don't, you're not married to the stats like I am. I mean, well, how are you going to tell you, him, Bud? Before he got, you didn't even you know, know. No, I would have said Zach Wheeler. You know by now you can't you can't use logical and Alan Harris uh, in the same uh, sentence. But I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, we talk about analytics and all that stuff, and we we're talking about yesterday's control. Now again, it's one game and all that stuff. But Hoffman, here's a guy uh, that allows five hits per nine innings. I mean, that is way better than major league averages. Home runs allowed. 0.5, non-existent, doesn't allow, you can't hit a home run against guy. 12 Ks per nine innings. That registers, baby. Anything above nine, ten. You know, it's amazing when you look at the old pitchers and you expect guys like Seaver, Gibson, and those guys to have like 14 and are not near as high as today's because they didn't all, they didn't average 99, that's why. This guy averages 12 Ks per nine. He's 31 years old. Here is the killer stat. He comes to Phillies with a career ERA of 5.26, and his ERA is 2.41. I don't mean to make too much out of one season, but career whip, 1.400. Last season, 0.917. I mean, you got to be kidding me. This guy's a whole different pitcher with the Phillies, and they've made other pitchers way better. Noah gives their development team so much credit. Their guy who runs the analytics uh, department that was in the Philadelphia Inquirer, great feature article. Chad, do you have the guy's name? I'm going to. Let me get it real quick. I'm, I'm going to launch the name. Um, this guy was with Tampa. Ooh, it's Ani Kalambi. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he's 29 or 30 years old right now, right. which is just. Right. 
That's impressive. Right. What is he, assistant GM? Yeah, and, and they talked about what he did in Tampa. Remember the mystery Bella says when people go to Tampa? We don't know what it is. They're getting above talent level. Guys are overachieving consistently in Tampa. You look at this guy who's a Tampa, he turned the whole show around. You should have read the compliments about this guy from the, the C-suite of, of uh, Tampa. They were like, how do you let this guy go? He comes to Philly and Dombrowski and Milton, they're saying the guy's greatest asset is his ability to talk to us and communicate in our language. He knows so much more. That's M-O-R-E, gang out there. Thanks for listening about baseball. Wait a minute. Read that. I read it five times. I read it to Marion. I said, this is Dombrowski's comment about the head of analytics. And they're starting to give examples. And he got to read the articles about two weeks ago. It blew me away the common sense things that he's catching about arm slot, move it two inches, we'll show you the video. But then from that arm slot, you now have better impact with certain pitches you can't throw two inches lower than another arm slot they have degrees and everything and the pitchers are seeing this stuff going holy toledo it works he does that for offense he's doing it for ballpark dimensions uh, health i mean the, the stuff that the phillies have shown unbelievable improvement in so when people denounce analytics bud you right. know what I think it sounds like, Chuck? A lot of people get afraid of the word analytics and so forth, but it sounds like this young man is so brilliant in the analytics, but he can tell you or the players in layman's terms to make them feel more comfortable rather than coming on like a big analytic thing. And why don't you work on this? And he's probably that brilliant that he can convey that to them where they feel comfortable. Communication. Yep. Communication yep. skills. But uh, – really make it an impact. You know, look at the Tampa results, look what he's doing for Philly, then you look at a guy like Hoffman. I mean, the guy's 31. He comes in here with a decade of subpar numbers. Okay, it's early. The jury has it. You know what? I'll, I'll, he pitched like 48 innings. That's a lot, okay? It's not a small sample size. But if he's going to make an impact, and I think right now the best pitcher in baseball is the guy that I can't pronounce his last name. I really do. Jose Alvarado. Alvarado, right, right on the money. I think if you look it up, we're going to give the mic to Bud at some point here, but I think he's coming off of a sub-2 ERA in August, September, and the playoffs. That's unbelievable because that's just not done in baseball. Take the top relief pitchers in the game last year. Okay, Josh Hader is now 1.6. I mean, that is unbelievable. If he's got it right finally, we all remember his problems, struggles with you know, control, everything else. You know how filthy he is when he's on? Well, when he's throwing 99 and sets you up. and then scary, hits you, Al. Then he hits you with a 92 slider inside on the hands. You don't have a shot. But what do you what's, chime in here, man? We're going to give you a thousand words. Yeah, he had a zero ERA in July, but only only two inning, 2.2 innings okay. pitched. All right, we'll let that go. Four innings pitched in August, 2.25. Okay. And September, October, 11 innings pitched. He had 2.38. What about playoffs? I have to look up playoffs. Give me a one somewhere. Um, a constant improvement since he said he had what a psychologist or something. Well, he went down, remember, a few weeks and all that type of thing, and uh, I think they convinced him stop thinking so much. You got such great great ability. Yeah. 
Stop aiming. Just let the ball go. And he really I mean, hasn't been wild since, has it he? It sounds simple, but sometimes if you can convey that, like I said before, to somebody and just say, get by on your great natural talent, stop thinking so much. A lefty that size that could throw 100, okay? He really shouldn't be allowed. It's not, it's not a fair fight. Well, when Chapman first came up and he's still yeah, around, uh, yeah, same yeah, type of thing. Yeah. Um, now, we haven't mentioned – the guy last year that I called Mr. Reliable in that bullpen, Matt Strom. Here's a guy last year, you know, they used the hell out of him, which I loved, actually. The more he pitched, the better he did. One of those guys, 88 innings pitched out of the bullpen. Take a look at Mariano Rivera, stuff like that. They, they didn't get to 88. 68 hits allowed, sub-20 hits the innings pitch. Again, 11 strikeouts per nine. We haven't talked about Soto and Sir Anthony. Right, but who you just mentioned that too? You could bring him in and get two to three innings in the middle of a game. To you know, till you get to your supposedly aces in the eighth and ninth. Once again, last year a record for the least amount of innings pitched by a starter. Why? The game is turning over and shifting to the development of these highly skilled, filthy. People come out of the bullpen. I don't mean dirty. Well, yeah, I do mean dirty, don't I? But these guys throwing 100, which is so demonstrative, changing the game. If you've got a great bullpen and your starter's mentality, guys, is i got to get through five innings today, don't you ramp it up earlier, Coach? Don't you throw? That's, that's a good point. Mentally, if you know, they told me just give me five good innings, five, six so right away you're trying to come out throwing the ball as hard as you can rather than relaxing and getting into the flow of things. Right, right, yeah. A lot of it here we're getting into mental things. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're yeah, the, sort of the science of the game, you know, which, which is so important. But when you develop a, an extended bullpen that you can rely on, and these guys here, I mean, yeah, if Soto and Sir Anthony figure it out, they both threw 98, right? Because everybody yesterday threw 98. I, I, I may miss one, but it seemed like everybody threw 98. A couple. Of, this is they always say when they get stretched out, they throw harder. I used to watch Chapman. Chapman was like 96, then he was 97. Right up the ladder, he went 98. Then he would get 100. They they got a pitch before they hit their high volume and velocity, right? These guys yesterday come out, they're throwing 98 first game. Well, what what am I missing? It's not, <laughs> Well, that's the baseball that we that we that is that's what baseball is now. You get these guys and they're all throwing 97, 98, 99. It's, it makes them hard to hit. It really does. It's there's no time, there's no adjustment period. You can write out a new guy, pitch starters out, reliever comes in, and he's throwing basically a hundred, and that's that's today's baseball. I mean, batting averages are plummeting, strikeouts are up. It's a pitcher's game nowadays. How did it shift between last year, MLB, 23 final stats, and 22? I know we do this every year before the season starts, and you're not prepared. My, I apologize. It doesn't take us too long. We believe that strikeouts leveled off finally last year, just up a notch, bud. Uh, let me and, see if and it's hits, broken down per game. Hits were down. Talk. All right, so strikeouts were 8.61 per game last year. That was up from 22. Okay, still up. 8.4. It's been about 8.6, give or take, for the past, since 2018, really. Right, right. So it's leveling um, off. It's been above 8 since 2016. Right, right. Highest right. was 8.8 8 in 2018. Yeah, and home runs last year in the aggregate. Home runs were about the same Le- level off. They were higher so. than 22, but right at 21's level, below 20, below 19. Yeah, 
So you wonder now if the OPS, yeah, everything we said it was about three yeah. percent change for the shift and right, right. Uh, so, bigger bases. So, so now, yeah, the, everybody was saying that the impact of the shift was going to be sixty points in batting average. Yeah, like and Chad was the first person on this podcast. Did you challenge Mitch? Was challenge it, everyone. To challenge that everyone. Yeah. And uh, we said it to Jason Stark. Never heard from him again. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> I love Jason. Guess who's on? Guess who's on MLB baseball show two weeks later saying the impact's not going to be as big as you think. Jason Chad, you're Stark. going to have to stop contrast to <laughs> Hall of Fame and you know people in the business. But so. you were the first person to say it's not going to make a damn difference. Three percent difference. That was 3%. the only thing we said. I remember. Sorry, Oppenheimer. Three percent Three percent difference. Not not that. I didn't say zero. The batting average was 248 last year. It was 243 the year before that. That sounds small. Let me see that difference. That's 2.05 percent. Oh my goodness! Oppenheimer. <laughs> you need a whiz to tell you. We got to buy land in Montana, or or where the hell was it? The, what desert? I should know that. My lord, I saw the movie too. What a great movie, by the way. If you have not seen Oppenheimer. Got to, got to watch tonight where you're alert. You've had a good day, and you're going to be attentive. It's it's uh, the last hour is the best part of the movie, but boy, it's it's epic. Really, really. Good. You know what I was just thinking of? More Phillies talk. You're talking about ninety seven, ninety eight. If you didn't know anything about baseball, and you somebody gave you figures, and you watched Wheeler pitch. It looks so effortless. You'd it say, does. maybe that guy's throwing 80, yeah. 85. He throws 96 consistent with a smooth, easy delivery, and probably that's why he, knock on wood, he's been injury-free for a lot of years. And Yeah, yeah. He's a and pleasure he, to watch pitch. He's a pitcher. They use the, the phrase, you know, <laughs> out of his hand. The ball comes out of his hand. So, yeah, so effectively. I always struggle with that a little bit. You That's know, a you, given. Yeah, it comes out of his hand. I hope it does. But uh, the Phillies are so blessed to have retained that Nola uh, Wheeler, Wheeler Nola punch, one two punch, that as you rotate these guys in the you know, pitching rotation and keep them healthy, you're always going to play a team. And have the advantage one two. I can't think of a one two in baseball that's more effective and been together. I mean, they're just, and that's why Atlanta won. I was just going to say, ask ask Atlanta that question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And they could take Strider and their next guy, but they break down. So I I just don't like Atlanta's pitching. And I think the Phillies this year. I mean, last year I just did a little thing here. Harper played a hundred twenty six game. You miss, you miss thirty four. Right on down the line. If you get more game than Rojas 59, what if he plays 140 and bats 300 with the territory that he covers? Marsh, you know, did good for both sides of the plate, I think, last year, improved. Marsh Marsh was a big improvement last year. So if you get him to 145, uh, now you you could say, well, what about the guys, the role players that got to get some at bats? Yes. But the point is that if you could, Turner's not going to come out and struggle like that again. I think Turner, by the way, you know, being in camp and not having the baseball tournament and all that stuff and, and the, the transitioning and all that. I think his focus is going to be unbelievable. I think he's going to come out just where he left off. I think he's a guy that can hit 320, but, God, you got him and get him at the top of the lineup. I oh, mean, there's no doubt about he, it. I mean, I mean, are we going to have a whole year of, of this again? Me, but people don't release. They don't believe, too, that Turner had, like, the second most home runs last year he's ever had in a season. 
And, and you know, yep. w- once from 26. that standing ovation on, his stats yeah. were off the charts. Yep. Yeah. And you have eight players that can hit 30 doubles. Eight. Uh, <laughs> we don't care if Rojas then bets 290, right? Yeah. And, you know, another thing, too, we didn't throw in Whit Merrifield yet. You signed him for $8 million. Didn't mention him. And I'll tell you what, he can steal 30 bases at the age of 35. He can play a few different positions. He's very content. And I read somewhere where he was offered a starting second base job yeah. with another oh, team, but it. rather would come to Philly with their potential and and their organization. I think he's going to be a big help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a legit player off that off your bench. He'll play a lot, but what a, what a legit ad he is, man. Yep. Holy Toledo. And, uh, Good influence in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, when you All keep it, when you keep a team together, and I read an article two weeks ago about this. When you keep a team together, how it gels with su- su- success, you know. So the, the, they've been out there postseason now, you know, and they had a lot of success twice. Of course, they want to win a World Series. Who don't? But that success just breeds, you know, better culture, bonding, and guys. We got to do it now. And then you don't make major changes to it. You got the same core intact. Man, that that asset just grows. You know, you get ex- higher expectations. I'm going to give asset. you a stat out of their 40 man roster at the end of last year. They have 33 of them back. Yeah. That, that tells you something. Yeah, yeah. And a uh, little research of late, which is interesting to talk about. I want to get both of you guys in on this one. So I'm not done yet. However. You know, you've always heard me say good hitting beats good pitching. So I started to do some research, sent it Chad's way. We're not done. We want to find out what the common link is who wins World Series because of blankety blank. And when you're, if you do the research like you should, like your test, you're going to eliminate a lot of falsehoods. And then you're going to have the four, six things you're looking at. What's the common fiber of the teams that get to check that you're there. You had to get there from the other side. That's impressive. That's accomplishment. And win it. Distinguish between the two. And this is what it's not. You lead Major League Baseball in home runs. You won't play in the World Series. 15 years. Wow. How about that? You stop the average baseball down south right now in Philadelphia and say, you want the Phillies to lead the league in home runs? Yeah, man, that's unbelievable. They almost did that last year. Atlanta had 309 of them. Yeah. Well, guess what? Team that leads baseball in home runs, and this should move the needle with everybody. Think about it. You lead baseball in home runs, so therefore what do you do in the postseason more? Shrug out. Yeah, you're right. Right. When you get down to the seeing the quality pitching every day. Yep. And you're not seeing that fourth and fifth starter. Yep. And you're not getting that three-run home run. Just ask the Yankees for about 10 years, okay? The team, here are the two teams that play in the World Series. Here's the punchline to the joke. The team that gets to the World Series is the sixth best hitting team and eighth best pitching team the last 24 years. Wow. Did I move your needle yet? It's bobbing, yes. But, <laughs> well, I'm going to be doing the research. So I don't want to comment too much on it until yeah. I, I respect done. that, by the way. I respect that. And I shouldn't have said anything yet because we don't we don't have talk about punchlines. We don't have the punchline to it yet. We 
and I don't want to speculate where we think it's going to end, even though I did a little bit on the morning radio, but I, I didn't give it to him. I just told him, like, you know, it's not necessarily going to be elite closer. It's the, who was Texas elite closer last year? Did I have it? It's, it's going to be a composition. There's still going to be a thing that you look at, okay? It's going to be how you play the game right. And I think you're going to base this this on three teams, the Braves, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. How about that? How about that? I'll show you. How about this stat when I say good hitting beats good pitching? The team that has reached the World Series with the number one ranked hitting five times, what do you think their record in the World Series is, Coach? Well, it sounds like it's going to be 0-5 or 1-4. 5-0. Best hitting, hitting pitching, right? Yeah. The number one hitting team, again, last since 2000, till last year, has made it there five times. So if you have the best hitting team that gets there, okay, you're you're five and zero. Oh. But having the best hitting team at the end of the season, that that's five out of 24. Okay, it's a pretty low percentage. Doesn't necessarily get you there. But what's more startling about it? is that the number one pitching team isn't winning the World Series more often. That's what comes out of it, and you say, wow, or two, or three. So you want the best pitching, and you want it now, and you want it at the end of the season, right? Well, like I said. And Don't mean the, a damn thing. Those three-game series <laughs> and the five games with the breaks in between where you can yeah. get by with two pitchers and maybe a third pitcher. Did Arizona play in the World Series last year? How about the 14th ranked hitting and the 17th ranked pitching? They almost won the thing, right? Yeah. And what if the Phillies didn't have uh, didn't have Walker, and instead we had another offensive bat, guy who didn't pitch a single pitch in the postseason, and we had another bat, and we had another yeah. bat. You do really need more than two good starting pitchers. I guess you got to make the playoffs. So there's that. But once you get to the playoffs, you don't need a three. You don't need three starters. I just. Uh, you, um, as long as your third guy's service, we don't need three elite starters, really. As I'm doing this research, and I'm just absolutely, for lack of a better word, elated. And, and I was like, oh, give me one more seventh-ranked offense. Come on, come on, don't cheat me. And then it was ninth. I'm like, you got, and I'm like, yelling the marriage, you're not going to believe where this research is going, right? I, I think it's going to be like the 12th best team plays the 18th. Not the hyperbole, right? But six and eight. The sixth best hitting team plays the eighth best pitching team in the World Series last 23 years. 24. It's just unbelievable, right? So what, what are we saying here? That it's not just hitting. It's not just great pitching. It's the intangibles. It's all the other things you have to do. It's moving runners. It's hitting with runners in scoring position and two outs, right? It's making what did the Phillies do the last two games. Started chase. Chase rate. Pitches out of the strike zone. All of a sudden, why all of a sudden, Coach? These things win the games. The, the difference is It up. was horrible to watch, that's right? for sure. Yeah, and, and, and then you have to also say management. Uh, you can't bring Kimball in where you do. You can't not pinch it for Rojas with the bases loaded, and I think it was the fourth inning. These are management decisions. So when it's all said and done, guys, what do you not want? You don't want your manager for the next 12 months and then 12 years apologizing for an absolute landmark bad decision that the whole world knows at the time he makes it 
taking Wheeler out okay, two years ago. And the, the answer is perhaps I might have made the wrong decision in that particular instance, but when it adds up to a few instances. Yes, yeah, and you got your catcher saying he's throwing lightning bolts. He's never seen Wheeler that sharp, right? Yeah. Right, and you, and, and you bring an arm in in that situation? How about bringing Kirkering in with no experience postseason, yeah. right? You got a guy like Walker who at least he's a pro. He's been, you know, at high level. You forget he had 15 wins early and never got another yeah. win in like two months. Yeah, so my point, everyone, is that, yeah, of course we want them to have the best hitting and the best pitching. We don't mean a damn thing if you don't manage right, if you don't make key plays, if you don't defend, if you don't have a pincher that can come in and make contact. There's so many parts of baseball, as there is football and basketball, all the sports, right? But when we when we break baseball down and slot it under the microscope, it's just fascinating that just the best hitting and just the best pitching doesn't get you there to win a World Series. Okay, I belabored that point, but that's what, where the research is going. Mm -hmm. We don't have the answers yet. Runners Correct. left on base and advancing runners to cancel lay down a bunt in a bunting situation. So my, my next pet peeve, I guess you could call it a mini rant, if Schwarber is going to bat 215 in April and OPS 740 and 186 career in May, 730 OPS, how about this? This really jumps out. So the batting average doesn't tell you the aggregate. You want to really actually see literally what that means. It means career-wise he has 200 hits in April and May. He has 325 hits in August and September, career-wise. Do you want to give up the 125 hits to wait 60 games to get him in there when he when he takes off? So if, I mean, again, six, 60 home runs versus 100, the whole thing, you know, 176 walks versus 230, OPS of 730 versus 880, 900. Yeah. How about we put him in a spot where he's done better career-wise early and let Turner and Scott lead off or, or Turner Harper and then bring him in when the stats say, I mean, you want to trust analytics. Why are we going to put this guy up there when he's got a decade of, of data that says he bats 190 in April and May? But I'm 100% with you. Um, I think the numbers should should really dictate here. But it's just not not going to happen at this point. We've seen it every year where we talk about Schwarber, and I feel yep. like it's 50-50 across Philadelphia. Should Schwarber be leadoff or not? And I know, I, th I think we're all on the, on the side of, no, he should not be. Um, and my big thing has always been looking at his OPS for his career in the, in the four hole, where it's at 930, um, and no other, no other batting order position comes close. I mean, he's 840 at the one hole and 930 in the four hole. I want him in. I want him in that in that four position, right. where I think he just traditionally fits as as well. Um, and you have you know Turner, Harper, Stott, right? That could be at the top of your lineup there. You could have three 300 hitters potentially. I think having Schwarber in that in that scary lethal yeah, position of yeah. four makes sense. But again, it's kind of. Uh, point we we talk yeah, about yeah, every year right, almost yeah. every every few weeks when the season's going on because the Phillies just they want him there in that one hole and I guess there's there's that invitation there's that threat of he leads off the game with a home run and I get that I'm sure the numbers are way more in your favor if you're up one nothing versus down one nothing yeah. 
Uh, but I, I still say that the the tr- there is more of a, a, a net win, a more beneficial trade-off by having him down there in that four position, at least in my opinion. That and people will say to you, well, you only lead off once a game, but when you're second and third time around, you're also batting after yeah. the ninth hitter yeah. and the eighth hitter. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's, what, but that's also why you see like guys like Mike Trout and you know, Aaron Judge often – in that one or two spot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is because you look at the difference between an eight or nine hitter from just the getting on base percentage, average percentage, it might be a difference of a 360 versus a 330 on base. So not a huge difference in the grand scheme of 100 at-bats. So that's why there's I get mm-hmm. the logic of you want Bryce Harper up whether there's men on base, and there's going to be enough men on base mm-hmm. <laughs> if, he, if he's batting second than if he was batting fourth traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um and it's there's more of a benefit of having his extra at bats than saying he would get more men on base batting fourth because he's better hitters in front of him than the eight nine hitters that turn around. But uh, and that and that's kind of why you see those elite hitters now hit two or three, and that's why I think Harper should be two. I think it'd be Turner Harper would be just a, a, a nasty combination. Imagine. Nasty, and then even Schwarber. I don't know what if you do Turner Harper Schwarber. You're probably not going to get too many one two three innings out of the, out of that group. Yeah. I don't know if lefty righty how their matches up do, but I just I just want to put a guy who's thirty for thirty last year stolen bases that didn't run for the first two months. Okay, we were talking on this podcast about why Turner's not running with the new rules and whatnot, and uh, then he takes off and he's thirty for thirty and stouts uh, thirty uh, and three. Thirty one. So you, they you, keep you, beating you, by you, one. Yeah, you, you got <laughs> sixty one or sixty three stolen bases and three outs. Come on, guys, get the speed up. They both hit. Stott looks like he could have a huge year. Those guys can have so much impact, one and two, and then or Harper two. I'm fine, uh, and let Schwarber protect the whole bunch because if you've got, if you've got, it'll happen a lot with the on base percentages about three eighty. If you got two on, and you got one out, and Schwarber's up, you got a handful early. What are you going to do to Schwarber there? Okay, tell me you're not going to be more careful. Right? Sure. So. What are you going to load the bases? Well, good. Go ahead and load the bases. Or you going? You know, when it walk ups, so you're going to give them better strikes. All right. Good. Good luck with that too. Give them something over the middle of the plate. So, I just think when he talks about his early woes each season, he being Schwarber, if you bat him fourth, you're protecting him. You're re-engineering the thought of protection for the guys in front of him. Let's protect Schwarber. Let's put men on base that are lethal. Yep. That can double steal, and they will double steal. You could be first and second one out, and steal second, third now with the new rules. I mean, I think it's sixty-three and three. What's really? that? I'll take that ratio of ninety-eight yep. percent. And now you got Schwarber up with men on base. My lord, the guy doesn't hit the first two months. We just verified that he's one eighty. Let's put men on base in front of him and see when they have to pitch to him more carefully, more select. What does that mean to him? Be careful. You're talking very baseball things. Yeah, basic right. basic things. <laughs> Man, dear, that's not going to sink in, but I know who the objector is. It's not Robbie. It's that guy we just gave a lot of credit to. You know, the Phillies Probably. are the Phillies are very much obsessed with lefty righty combination, yeah, I think that, to right? a fault. I know last year early in the season we heard about this, oh, we got the left right left right left right, but you know, you don't want to take away from guys that are just better hitters, objectively better hitters, by having them too far down in in the lineup. And so, I hope the Phillies balance that a little better this year. Um, you got to trust that 
you know, good hitters are going to step up and, and, and play better. And if you've got a lefty and a righty in your lineup changes, I think that's fine. But I think the obsession of doing left, right, left, right did cost the Phillies a little bit last good year. Point. Just good point. overall offensive performance. And how much better they're going to be with Rojas in center field. I, I, again, was on the radio spreading those numbers. And you have to go to um, the guy for Tampa. Help me out. The center fielder. That's amazing. Uh, Meyer, Kiermeyer, 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 or okay. something. Yeah. Kevin, his, Kevin His numbers are nuts. Right. Now, the guy that played for the Braves, Andrew Jones, nobody's near him. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's, a, that's a thing for another podcast. And when I give you how much better his coverage numbers are than Willie Mays and Trout and those guys, you won't believe it. A little all-state visit here. You want to hop on a mic here, Kristen? Yeah. Still got that all-state tout? You threw me the water from 22 feet, just like your, <laughs> just like your sinker. Um, but with Rojas out there and Marsh and left, they are just a monstrously better team defensively. They're they're almost a good team at that point um, because yeah, Schwarber out there in Martian Center, it was a disaster because it's not like he got a great guy in right. He had a lot of assists. I understand that his coverage was terrible. You have to live with that. But man, when you've got Rojas Center and Marsh left, bud, you got a good defense. Hey, Mar- Marsh is a very. A very fine outfielder in left field. Who said that first and, on our podcast two oh, years ago? Oh, that's a sensitive subject for some people. <laughs> and um, Bawa. Ro, Ro, Rojas is obviously unbelievable as an outfielder in center. I think you could put the guy anywhere in the outfield, but his center field is where he belongs because he's going to go to his left, go to his right so well. And now you have a good outfield because now, now you got two guys who are, gonna, who are fast. They're going to track the ball down. Rojas looks like he could be as good as anybody. Yep in the outfield defensively. So, yeah, all of a sudden the outfield is 10 times better just by moving Marsh to left yep. and replacing him with an elite defender in center. Um, and, and there's nothing against Marsh. He just didn't do well in center field. You look at his, he's got 237 games in center and 106 games in left. So both decent sizes. Yeah, they are. And uh, they got a negative seven defensive run saved in center field Ouch. and a plus nine. Oh, in left man. field. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. You don't see that a lot. You don't see a 16-point swing. Yeah, 16-point swing. 16 oh, point swing. Wow. And, and, and you think about how much harder is it to play center field than left. <laughs> right. You know, it's you got to be able to, in left. If you're playing left field, you got to be able to go to your right fine, but you got you got to excel going to your left, too. Uh, and, and, you know, you got the foul line. You don't have that in center field. you got to be able to go every direction at all times, and you got to be able to go back 100 feet behind you know and go up to the wall and stuff it's so tough to play center yeah a coverage there's no comparison no some, yeah, it's coverage some, the coverage is some, insane some will say i want coach's opinion here some will say because we've all shagged fly balls i played left field some will say that the angle in left with the ball on the inside of the batter zone righty is more difficult and a later read ball in center you're seeing contact you're reading that barrel and all that stuff, okay? Maybe a better jump. I, I know that's what helped Chris it out tremendously. Um, left field, it's kind of a delayed read, hidden. Um, and and those balls that are pulled, like third base, why does third base get those atrocious balls that are pulled? Like, bam, they're the inside pull angle, which are blistered, right? Uh, exit velo. And that same exit velo to third carries to left. 
Therefore, your reaction time on those balls is zero, basically, right? So they say that's the part that's really hard about left field. Right, right? and it's like 80% of your right-handed hitters there, so you don't see, pick up that ball pick really it up. quick. You don't center pick it up. Center field. Yeah. Wide open thing, and it reminds me to show my age again. Richie Ashburn led the yep. National League in putouts for 10 years because they told him with Dell Ennison left and Sisler and right, anything <laughs> Richie can get to, Richie, Richie does right. it. And he was playing in an era, you know, with Duke Snyder and Mays and Mantle and everything. But Ashburn had a hell of a career. And, and you don't know that I did the research for the radio on center field coverage, zone coverage, and I, I told them, as I'm hung up on 400 chances in center field, something I think Trout only did once. Other guys have done it 11 times. Jones, you know, Jones, 540. Where's that stack? I love it when one stat, it, it just jumps off the page and like nobody else is close. Ashburn had a 500 chance year in center field. Now, I also said on the radio when I made that point, he did play in Connie Stadium where dead center field was 447. Wouldn't you love to see, there's no video, no 8-millimeter film, wouldn't you love to see catches that Ashburn made 430 feet that were high enough with enough loft, you know, to run, uh, Willie Mays and Vic Ver. Wouldn't you love to see Ashburn making these deep catches, you know? I mean, it had to help. He was great. But when you put up that many chances and you have a field dimension 447, yeah. that has to, you know, help that number a little bit. Yeah, I can remember young Andrew Jones came up at like 19 and looked yeah. like he was going to be the West. And it was unusual because you had Chipper Jones next to him playing the outfield before they brought him into third base. Ballinger to the Cubs. Yep. Sweet. 80 million, three years. Sweet. Yep. Yeah, I, I think we just saw baseball that didn't didn't trust at last year's numbers uh, from what he was two, three years before yep, that. Yep, yep, exactly. And so we need to see it again. But, you know, he got three years, 80 million. You know, power, you know, good for him. And I guess I guess he, I guess he wanted more, um, why it took so long. But there's still a couple big guys out there. Hey, I'll tell you this much. Horner, Swanson, Hap, Bellinger, Suzuki, is it? Zizki, Zizki, and uh, that guy, M.O.R. Yamura. That's, uh, that's a nice six run production for the Cubs yeah. in Wrigley. Be formidable. Oh, yeah, you get that win. Bellinger could have some real big stats. Yeah, and uh, before we switch out of baseball, um, everybody's happy around the Yankees with Soto and Judge. They're yeah. laughing all the time. They're having fun. The guy has recommitted himself about yeah. hustle. They've gotten to him. You know, the, the leadership on the Yankees, well, just the pride of the Yankees to begin with, uh, and the article about, you know, things are different. When, when you play for the Yankees, and uh, it's rubbing off, and he's already saying he's having a blast. He's going to be better in some other areas that disappointed people and whatnot. And you know what he's talking about, all right? Well, evidently, nobody's, yeah, nobody's taking care of him in a clubhouse before because yes. he's, he's, a, he's a top five talent. Yeah, like, we'll uh, all agree on that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, and great eye at the plate, everything, but it just looked like he was lackadaisical, didn't run out, didn't go after some balls, and – I don't think he's going to get away with it. Not going to do it. His attitude's different. He wants to stay in New York and get signed. Remember, it's a one-year deal. And the pitchers, but a lot of people don't know that the way this thing develops in the spring is that the hitters, I don't care how much batting practice you've taken. You haven't seen the hitter throw a 102-mile-an-hour fastball. So what the hitters do first is just stand in the batter's box. They just judge pitches, and the pitchers pitch game conditions. 
That's when it starts off like the first three days. Then it's live pitching against live hitting. So you got your hitters trying to hit your pitchers, right? And the pitchers were saying, we can't believe his eye. We can't believe that we make a perfect pitch and Soto spits on it. Like he, he doesn't even start to flinch. He doesn't start to make it. He knows it's a ball. And what this face was saying, I missed the black by half a baseball. And he was relaxed. He knew the whole way. What is that? It's Who's the, got that gift? gift? I'll gift. tell you, one guy did way back, Ted Williams, and his whole stories were umpires would say, if Ted turned around and said, you yeah, missed it, my dad and then they checked that. later, my dad he missed said. it by that much. Unbelievable. And that's a that's something you can't teach. No, somebody. and hats off no. to Ted, but that's when they were pitching at 90, right, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Now the game's 98, and, and he's recognizing this stuff out of the hand. And, I mean, it's just unbelievable. He, he is... So, and I'm going to be absolutely dead wrong probably on him. I said on the clubhouse, it wouldn't be good. And the Yankees look like they've changed. We'll yep. see. Hey, jury's, jury's out. They're sequestered. But, oh, man, if he has the kind of year that they're talking about and Stanton can stay healthy for more than 42 games, uh, Lemieux is healthy. Um, and, you know, you got guys, other guys like Gray Torres or whatnot had a good year. You, you, you have a, a nice club. And you have that leadoff hitter they picked up is a nice player. Yankees could have some run production this year. But it's going to be so much fun to watch Judge and Soto. Man, dear. They're saying that they're BPs. By the way, listeners, we're going to give you a little cheat sheet here. Uh, were you with us when we went over to watch Yankees take BP? Oh, yeah, that ball. That <laughs> okay, thank God you were there to attest to this. They, they'd swear I'm making it up, okay? Uh-huh. Well, it was Stanton, right, that hits the ball out of Citizens Bank Park, but the guy catches it. We couldn't quite see, and if right. there was a little thing there, and, and if one little thing wasn't there, it yep. definitely would have cleared it's everything. Out of Citizens Bank Park, people were talking out of yeah. the stadium. You can't yeah. hit a ball out of Citizens yeah. Bank Park. <laughs> what I did, I saw that the Yankees were coming to town, and I bought like 10 tickets in the uh, club, uh, not the club, the uh, Lower level, Diamond Club. Diamond Club, yeah. And we had to find a way to get in early. Long story short, we found a way to get in the stadium early. The away team starts, you know, batting practice and whatnot. Um, I'm sorry, the Phillies hit first and then the away team, but they still start earlier than the gates open. I think that's the way the story was told. So we got in, and we're watching Stanton and Judge hit these absolute moonshots it, we have it on video. It was so exciting. So I'm telling you right now, the Yankees come to town July 29th and July 30th, and then there's a businessman special on that Wednesday. They won't take BP. Uh, 30 days, July 31st, is 30 days, 31 days. 30 days, September. Uh, you know, uh, 31, right? 31, yeah. yeah. All right. Don't go July 31st, businessman special. First of all, it's going to be hot as hell. Who wants to sit through that, right? Uh, Tuesday, they may not take BP. Monday, first game of the series, they almost always do. Get some seats and back a home plate. If you don't want to go for the Diamond Club, we understand that. Get a Hall of Fame ticket. Get bases up to the bases, row one, two, or three. You got to watch Soto and Judge take BP. We're going to do it. We're going to buy some tickets. And I got to tell you something. After you watch BP, Bud, you remember that experience? Yes, I do. You can leave. You could leave. It was that good? It was something else, yeah. It was something else, wasn't it? I mean, to see 
grown men, I guess 10 of us, sitting there going, oh, my God, screaming on the video. Oh, look at that ball. Right? It was like if you were a blind person, you thought you were July 4th fireworks, fireworks. with all the oohs and ahs. Yeah, and, and, the, and, and the crack of the bat with not that many people in the stadium. And you're hearing what sounds like a firework. And you're seeing that you had height. And distance. That's what was cool about it. He had balls that were unbelievably high, going 500 and something feet. And you're like, this is watching the home run hitting contest with these these two guys. And they both took BP, and they did not take BP the next night. We nailed it, man. We nailed it five months or three months in advance, and they, they took BP. It doesn't always happen on the road. So what I'm suggesting, you know, Monday, July 29th, 6.40 start, Yankees at Philly. There are seats available. I checked. Must see. You got to check it out, right? You got to check out that BP. We will be there, by the way. Can we play real quick, Patino? Or the yeah. Flyers? Where do you want to go here? Don't you tell me. Let's go both. We'll just run it out. They're worth hanging around for. Patino. All right, this is the Flyers. Guy. Here's the this Flyers fight yesterday. First. We're not necessarily hockey people here in this podcast. This is unbelievable. I almost opened up with this today. Get ready for the chills. Played up ahead. It didn't connect with the rookie with Cooley. And we have the possibility of a heavyweight battle right here. DeLaurier and Rempe sizing each other up. This started in warm-up. This is unbelievable. They're landing punches. It's unreal. Frazier and Ali. We don't see many of these anymore. That's how long it went. And they're all landed punches. It's unbelievable. This is the same fight. It's nuts. Oh, brother. Now, you're talking to somebody who saw Schultz and, and Dale Roth and all that, and, and Brian, the guy from Brady. That's the best fight I ever saw. I'll qualify it. I'll qualify it. Schultz beating Roth to a bloody pulp because he hit him early, and the guy was just limp. That was almost ugly in my This with two heavyweights. I guess they're both 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, on skates, they look seven feet. With their reputations. With yeah. reputations. They knew it was coming. The play was down the other end. They dropped the gloves, and oh, brother, was that unbelievable, bro. I mean, both landing punches. and <laughs> No one went into a shell. They were just standing up. Oh, my God. Show. It was un- – and, and, and we don't – listen, we don't bring this into the podcast to advocate violence and stuff like that. It, it's things that happen on the sports landscape that are really epic or memorable, and, and this is both – that was both. I mean, dude, just man, dear, did that get the crowd going? Uh, they lost. Uh, yeah, here goes here's uh, Rick Patino. Yeah, on his St. John's team. Yep. This was a couple days ago after after the game, the press co- uh, press conference. After another tough loss. Lack toughness. We just don't move our feet on defense. Look, they they shot thirty seven free throws. Throw out the stats. You see it every game. The amount of free throws they shoot and the amount of free throws we shoot. Look at what Naheem shot on the year. Look at what uh, Chris Ledlam shot on the year. I mean, you're a power forward. You play 29 minutes without a free throw. 
Uh, that means you're not offensive rebounding, not getting to the line. So it's it's really the, all the toughness things of why we give up leads. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. Oh, man. And it really is not about losing. Because even in winning, winning when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I, I see people that don't handle the ball, that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. If you had to do it over again, would you have attacked your first offseason differently? I had no choice. We just could take who we could get. Here's a disclaimer. Who was available. We had no choice. Um, I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway because when you rush like that and you don't see the players and you just – I think we had enough. Uh, I, not, I, not a whole lot we can do, I, but it's um, – I think I've enjoyed even, – even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we – lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Yeah. You have any Actually, second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. Yeah, of course. It's not St. John's. It's my team. Well, Rick, I'm 70. Just just old enough with enough memory uh, that it, that didn't kill drinking Manhattan to say that that's not your worst moment in basketball when you had the guy guard the door, actually. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Take the high road, coach. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not your worst moment, uh, coach. And uh, nor was it when you're at Louisville, and they were having uh, parties for recruits under your watch uh, that were not good parties. I'll leave it at that too, and clean that one up. So, uh, yeah, what a, what an illustrious career, huh, Bud? I mean, how about that? Some bad comments right there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just you don't throw your team under the bus like that publicly. Just a no-no. I mean, how how are you gonna expect the guys to want to play for you? Yeah. Well, Rick, talk it, like that. If you're saying your guys were performing before that speech, I'm sure this is not a whole lot of incentive to go out there. And yet they go out yesterday and beat beat uh, Creighton. I think it was right, Creighton. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, he's saying it worked, so to speak. Now they did offer an apology. But that's too far gone to apologize for it's something like that. Easy to do afterwards. Yeah, right, right. And Creighton came in and they were a bit flat with a couple of things going on, and, and they know where they're going in postseason. Creighton is that it was a perfect. If you're gambling, okay, and that line yesterday, given St. John's points at home, Creighton flat. Yeah, what a setup that was. Uh, as well, uh, Michigan getting I think twelve and a half at home against uh, Purdue. You just had easy money back to back games. You know, here's spots where the teams are going to never get off the bus, and their kids are nineteen and twenty, and it's predictable. It's very predictable. The uh, top twenty five ranked teams this year. T this was my model, as you both know, for the last five years. This has been my basketball model. I've given out. Well, guess what? It took five years. America's caught up with it. They're publishing now the fact that it's 95-5 and five this year with nationally ranked teams losing to teams not ranked in their home court. So they busted my theory, guys. <laughs> given that it was 19-1 two years ago, and that's it. So now you all know if you play college basketball, wait for that setup and uh, it's 77% over five years. I don't think there's anything out there I've seen but that high. No, if you can win anywhere above 70%, right? you're going to make some money on that one. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. not involved with enough stuff. Now you're going to have right. a national service. <laughs> and here's the funny part. I haven't bet one cent in five years. I don't gamble. So I haven't made a nickel 
everybody writes back to me, oh, you must have a lot of money. I said, no, I, I noticed it five years ago from following it, right? Then I started to track it. Then there's a weekend where it was 12 for 12, and I'm saying to Marion, this, this thing's like stealing. And now they're publishing. They, the other night, Thursday night, when there was an upset, they said, I'll tell you what, if you notice that the, the away team nationally ranked is, is not doing well this year on the road, and they showed the stats, and they, I said to Marion, there's my, there's my model. It's busted. The only you thing know? wrong with that, they forgot to mention, and Chuck from Cherry Hill. Yeah, to tell yeah, you yeah he was on this five years ago, and, and he <laughs> documented his picks and gave them out to his buddies. So, see, it does pay to listen. Rant, go, Coach Rant. Rant, rave, what do you got? I'm tired of this A.J. Brown and all uh, that kind of you. stuff. We avoided calls it. calls and this, that, that, that. Next question, already answered this. I still say there's a whole lot more that has not hit the airway, shall we say, for lack of better words, that behind that. And I think you're going to come down where, you know, Hertz is really going to have to tr- – <laughs> can you change that low demeanor that he has as far as sitting by himself and – and maybe getting involved. I I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens this year because they got so many holes to fill. I mean, they got a, quite a few draft choices, and I hope they draft well because uh, some of these drafts we thought were great a year or two ago haven't really panned out anywhere like we thought they did. Yeah, amen. And uh, we didn't talk about the Brown situation because, quite frankly, it's diluted. Uh, enough as it is and i found it to be very disingenuous i don't mean to be harsh i don't mean to be whatever um and you got to be careful and sensitive now to how do you react to certain things right i thought it was a very disingenuous uh, call and uh, questions or uh, responses you know when you ask about well what's the relationship mainly want to know what's going on with you and the quarterback hurts uh, that's bs I, that, uh, that's bs my father, it's all bs and uh doesn't go out of its way to clarify. No, I actually endorse him. I think, blah, 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 blah. And blaming WIP for, for heaven's sake, you're 10 and 1, and now all of a sudden, you know, you stink. Of course, there's going to be things circulated. Of course, people are going to conjecture on Sport Talk Radio. What, what else are you going to do? And then you see Brown's antics on the field, and I compared it to what if you saw Rose do that? What if you saw Harper do that? The baseball leaders, okay, what if Rose went to the corner of the dugout and sat by himself and was sulking? How would they, what would the reaction to that be publicly? So, you know, he, he can say what he wants. It doesn't change or provide excuse for it that's acceptable for the behavior I witnessed on the sidelines during challenging times. We learn a lot about people through what? Adversity. Yep. And I learned a lot about him. And uh, I don't think the phone call did a damn thing. I think Ike Reese was caught flat-footed, in my opinion. I'm listening to it live, so I'm based on my natural reaction. And I kind of felt a little bad for Ike. Not that he did terrible, but I I just thought he got caught flat-footed. I thought, so, yeah, Ike handled yeah. it probably as good as you could, but yeah, you're probably. not expecting a call yeah, like that. Yeah. But it's easy to say for Bramwell, you know, during that first six games when I set the record for over 120 – and, you know, you could go the other way. Well, how about this? They hire Matt Patricia when they were 10-3, and three, yeah. and they wind up 11-5. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You know. my, my rave is, bam, is it nice to hear baseball back. What it does to be everything. The crack of the bat, the box scores, just baseball back every day. I, I can't. There are no words. Bud? Well, my rant rave is like a combination okay. 
of kind of the whole AJ Brown situation and WIP in general and stuff. And um, you know, I don't I don't watch all the Eagles games live. I just I just don't. So I don't I don't always see the antics that we talked about. Whatever's going on the sidelines of people. Um, what I obviously did notice was Jalen Hurts sulking. That was yep. or just sitting there. I don't want to say sulking. Sitting there stoically. That was clearly impossible to miss. There. Um, you know, so uh, th- there's a few positives and negatives of each side. And t- but I, I, AJ Brown's intention in his mind, I know what he thought he was doing was trying to clear the air, move on from last season. Um, and you can tell AJ's personality. He doesn't want any drama. He wants to show up and play and move on. And if you lost, you lost. If you won, that's great. Learn from it and move on. That's what you guy could feel he was trying to get at. And where he doesn't know Philadelphia is that that's not how Philadelphia works. <laughs> not with comes to the Eagles. They talk about everything they possibly can. So I guess the the also the portion of the um, now we mentioned the ten and one and all that stuff. The the rant portion I would say too would be also on on you know the Philadelphia radio people, the guys like the WIP people who, when the Eagles were ten and one, had no accountability for truly how the Eagles were positioned we at that were time here on our podcast. When we looked at things like point differential yep, and we talked to guys like Jody Mack about these, these wins and how they were just unimpressive. And they said, you can't keep winning week after week with a, a really some random chance play. That's not likely to keep occurring a drop pass here, a bad call, whatever. You just can't win that way. And uh, it was just dismissed. It was totally dismissed by by the entire radio team, and all of a sudden, when they when they lost how many, whatever many it was, the end of the season, and they were playing terrible and a totally different team, then all of a sudden the, the radio takes it too far, and now yeah. they're the worst team That's in the a world. Good point, man. That's you know, a good so point. there's not enough balance. And I get it; they're probably it's like trying to uh, I don't know what an analogy, but they're, they're you're trying to assume these guys are going to be fully biased when they're paid to entertain you. Um, and there's impossible at that point that they're not going to take an extreme opinion one way or the other when they do better when when more people listen. So there's an inherent bias in, in the actual. And, and here's an example of it. They were outraged that the Eagles were getting two and a half points against San Francisco. That line yeah. made no sense. Well, that's a lack of respect for our record. Da, 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 yeah, da. exactly. We're saying Stuff we love like San Francisco you know, to win easy. Whoever it was, it was uh, the only guy I think who really truly keeps it real on that show is, is Richie, and, and he's a, just a. Oh, total optimist. He's yeah. a total athlete. Optimist. Yeah, if you didn't yeah, know yeah. the guy played, you would say he's an athlete because we from talking to the athletes yeah, on the show. Right. They have a, 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 a <laughs> positive mindset. Everything. Like there's not like nothing you've ever seen before. Nope. I mean, you talk to Mitch nope. and we talk to Bawa, uh, Bawa and uh, Charlie. Charlie. LA. We yeah. had Larry Anderson on. Yeah. And uh, and just you hear these pro athletes, and there is nothing that you tell them where they don't respond in a positive way. <laughs> Do it. That's you, great you, catch. You saw George Good Kittle catch. on the Good sidelines catch. last year, yep. so two playoffs ago when they lost to the Eagles, and they were getting destroyed. Their quarterbacks, they got their backup in, or their third string quarterback in, um, and he's sitting on the sidelines going, we're, you know, we're still in this, we can win this game, here's what we got to do. Just unbelievable mindset these guys have, and that's what it takes to, from, to reach the NFL or any pro sport, and I get that. Yeah. Um, so I get. I guess, the, I don't know where I was even going with that point in general, but I guess there was, I think there was positives and negatives to what AJ's intention was, how it came off, and the things he said could have certainly been answered better. And I think there are some points, though, about how, oh. how WIP and all, really all of Philadelphia sports reacts to news 
Um, it's basically an over correction. It's yeah. over correction now where we're going to be way over the top or right. way too down low. And then pull and then back it's going to slowly far. revert yep. to the mean. So call it a J curve. It's yep. super high low and then back to S where it kind of should have been over S time. Sensationalism. Yeah. Yeah. Very well stated, buddy. Very well stated. Yeah. I just thought of something if I can throw this in at the end. Remember what we covered on the show here? about their coaching things when they got rid of Desai. And I said, he's also he's supposed to be in consideration for a couple of head coaching jobs. And I told you, well, you have to interview the minorities. Well, within the last day or two, he just got a job as an assistant yeah. defensive coordinator. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, it's all very interesting. Uh, and But the, the points that Chad made about the radio, uh, you observe it all the time. Too far left, too far right. Try to get in the middle a little bit. But here's the problem in the middle and fair and balanced reporting. I guess middle it does, doesn't sell the does, day. Does it, does doesn't it make sell, you money. Doesn't make you money. There's no ratings yeah. saying and you're a pretty good guy, Al. But that's all I really have to say. Imagine if Angelo, but, if Angelo Cataldi <laughs> made his made his his life's work on just being balanced, and I wouldn't and I wouldn't want it that way. No. Angelo was the most entertaining. Yeah. I'll yeah. probably ever be in my life. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever find nope. a guy like nope. Angelo again. Nope. We certainly know it's not not the camera. As much as I think the morning show is good, and I've come to like all those guys, yeah. Angelo is in a league of his own. Oh, God. It's a league of his own. He came back on two weeks ago in 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, my God, do I miss this? It takes 10 seconds for you to realize how, yeah. just how special he really was at, at driving As George show. Carlin looked like he was born to be a comedian, and the way he said stuff, had that your dna is comedian you had to be you had to be this that's what angel appears to be for for a talk show host he's got some stuff built in that he reacts to like the comedian who looks funny before he says anything oh, yeah. angel has the one-up natural ability just innately to be that guy you know and that's how he comes across you know, it, a lot of it is it built in, you know, but we wrapped here. We're good. Yep. Uh, we back next week or we're off back. What are we? I don't know what we're doing. All right. So uh, I think we're off next week. Okay. We'll be back in two and then we'll run. We'll run it out at that point. So how do we get all of us, bud? Speaking of sportspod.com. Uh, Chuck Sol is 609-828-5569. Yeah, we appreciate the assist. If you can, if you like our show. And you're uh, one of the listeners. We have a nice, devoted little uh, group of listeners. Uh, spread the wealth. If you could get it to somebody, we appreciate it very, very much. Uh, we love your feedback, so keep the text coming. Have a great week. Uh, enjoy some mid-60s weather. Maybe get out the GFT golf team maybe out Wednesday afternoon. Coach. And uh, that's a wrap. Uh, Richie, take us home, and we will see you in two weeks. God willing.